Uh, I got my uh, stimulus too. Oh, dude, so did I. I got a stimulus. Yeah. So I got. I got a. Did you get the full thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. You get a partial. Yeah. Uh you suck. It's fine though, dude. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's good. Um, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not yeah, like you're I'm hurting not, for it, right? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, fortunately, I'm not in the. Uh, I. Fuck, this sucks to say, but it's almost like. Um. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the person who spends it because it's not necessarily uh, a necessity to, yeah, to my to my existence. Which is, uh, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a life like that. And, uh, yeah, that my that my partner provides me a life like because <laughs> I am a stay at home husband <laughs> who has a relatively unsuccessful podcast. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty. En- I'm good. pretty envious. <laughs> yeah, who uh, who uh, has you know is trying to get a graduate degree at 35 years old or whatever. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, but no, it was. And, and we both, uh, my partner and I, we both got the stimulus, and uh, it's good. I mean, it's uh, you know, her and I will both spend it on either debt or things like that. So yeah. Well, that should be good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we talked um, about it. I don't even know if I want to put any of it towards rent because it's just, it's getting into our busy season. You know, we might be getting some more PPP money. And so we're like thinking about hiring someone and we're just kind of like, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to put that towards that. You know, I don't want to put it towards rent. We've, we've put every other stimulus money we've gotten towards rent and bills and it just sucks. It disappears so fast, you know? So we're like, maybe we'll break this apart and like, give ourselves a couple hundred dollars each, you know, like I think I'm going to take one of my cats to the vet, like see how much that ends up being, try and put some, you know, like in, into a savings account or something, but I don't know. Yeah. For sure. The stimulus was good. Um, did you hear about the, the shooting? No. The mass shooting. Oh no. Wow. No, not at all. Um, there is, I think, shit, I think it was in Georgia. I could be wrong. Um, let me Google that shit real quick. Cut this out. Mm, I, I, uh, yeah, it was in Georgia. Um, all right, uh, never mind, I'm not wrong. It was in Georgia. Uh, a white dude, obviously, a 21-year-old white dude, uh, went, drove a few hours to uh, a multicultural district in Atlanta. And uh, shot six Asian women. Wow. And uh, I, I believe, I believe, I'm not super sure, um, uh, two, two whites who were in these massage parlors. Um, you know, obviously the police are, 
you know, he was obviously taken into custody perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm sure we'll we'll get a fucking social media update that he, he got Burger King or whatever <laughs> prior to yeah. being arrested. But also, uh, you know, there's, like, question, people are questioning if it was, like, uh, uh, based on race, right? Yeah. And uh, I think he came out and said he was blaming... Uh, blaming them, the people who shot for his sexual addiction, sex addiction, and uh, but it's, it's very obviously uh, it, it, you're a fucking moron if you think it's not race related. <laughs> yeah, like he drove like multiple hours to get to the place. So, uh, yeah, I, I believe eight people were the victims there. It's just a really sad thing. I think it was today or yesterday. Damn. No, I haven't heard no. anything about that yet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a link here in a minute, but... Yeah, pretty fucking sad, dude. Like, just... I don't know. Yeah, that, you know? that's super unfortunate, too. And, and it's... It's so unfortunate that that... Uh, it's just so... Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get oh, that, that kind of shit. And, like, I mean, I do get it. I understand... Like that, it's generally things that we don't shock it up to be right. It's it's like people are like, oh yeah, we don't understand why this person did this. You know what I mean? But it's like obviously there's so many things of like toxic masculinity and like and yeah, just like white people's like uh, you know like incel type shit, you know. And it just like it's bred in like that fucking weird locker room talk type of fucking situations, you know, where like people are feel entitled to to certain things and you know start dehumanizing other types of people and and it's just it's it's funny too it's not funny i shouldn't say that but um because i was literally just i've been seeing a lot of stuff about like um gun ownership too and i've been thinking about um i mean obviously i don't have the money to but um getting a gun like i want a handgun and i want like a concealed carry permit because like crime in a lot of places in the country has been going up and there's been a lot of shootings in Portland. And I mean, you be, you've been in Portland. I think about it a lot. Like, like, dude, you're in like white supremacist territory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And being, and being like, a, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> anti-fascist punk you are like, yeah, it definitely makes it, it. It's definitely concerning to me. I think about it quite a bit. You know what's funny? I was thinking about the other day too. Okay, real mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in one of our episodes, I mentioned when you were talking, you asked like, "Oh, what do you think is going to be the outcome of the election?" Right? In one of our episodes, you asked about the election or the outcome, and I said that Trump supporters weren't going to were like going to storm the White House and not let Trump leave. Okay. Right. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like. In a way, that kind of happened. Dude, you were kind and of it's right. Really, if, that, if that's true, yeah. we need to go back and listen and see where that's at. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be like an episode or so before the election would have been. And funny thing is, is I was thinking about it the other day, because I remember saying that. And then obviously it didn't happen in that exact manner. But it, I just remember hearing somebody say like, oh, we could have never known that people were actually going to do this. And I'm like, if we're calling it out on our podcast because we're like, no, these people are going to fucking do it. We've been warning you. Like, these people are going to do something like that. 
And like, if if you and I can like make that prediction, and then all these other experts are like, "Oh, we could have never really seen this one coming." Like, they weren't prepared for it at all, you know. Like, and that's like the big excuse, like, "Oh, we just couldn't have foreseen it, and so we weren't prepared for it," you know. But I I made that prediction before that something like that was going to happen. Like they were doing it. We'll give our listeners an update if so. If you did it, and uh, if if someone knows that for sure, let us know. but dude, uh, here here's uh, real quick. Here's my theory about that: is that the people who conduct polls, who are sorry for my finger pointing to the video camera. I know the <laughs> listeners don't fucking care, but I'm it's, pointing. And uh, it's great. Uh, I'm doing it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the listeners, Jason and I video chat while we record this, so we're actually talking to another, and we're clearly very uh, handsy talkers. But uh, uh, the people who do like mainstream media, who do these polls or whatever, they're just so disconnected from like everyday Americans, and yeah. and I think that's what's so special about. I don't want to say what's so special about our podcast. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're like like some sort of like clairvoyant or whatever, but. It's about talking to normal people to understand how people think. And that is something that is literally missing in all of media today. Yeah. Like you're getting, yeah, it's, it's all of a certain class. It seems like, like, like you, like you, you're not dealing with these like well-poised politicians who are great liars and are very politically correct, you know, no. like real America. And plus you're like, if you're, I think about it and I'm like, if you're off information and like other things like that, or just talking to people that are willing to talk to you, like any person that's not willing to talk to you or not willing to fill out poll information or talk to polling people, like those are the people that you have to worry about. So like the information you're trying to judge, like you're not getting it from the people that like you probably would need to worry about the most. Exactly. Like the people, the people who are like, Hey, like who think your institution is literally like a democratic op to be like, I don't know, a poll. Right. They're like, I'm not going to answer the phone. I mean, honestly, like if you're, I, I don't know about you, but like I look at numbers who I don't know the name of or don't know. Like I don't have a caller ID associated with them. Like, I'll let that shit go to voicemail. No. Like, yeah, no, no, no. I don't answer any phone call. <laughs> I don't even answer. Honestly, <laughs> sometimes I don't answer phone calls who I'm like, I know that person. I'm like, eh. you know, like outside of like select few friends, uh, <laughs> dude, text me. Right. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why these people don't understand anything out of Washington, D.C. or, uh, you know, New York or L.A., you know, California, metrop- metropolitan areas, like even Texas metropolitan areas, like Washington metropolitan areas, like these people are going to not have the same ideology as, uh, you know, the average uh, city-dwelling liberal. And I'm not going to bash on city-dwelling liberals. Like most of my life I've been a city-dwelling liberal or city-dwelling socialist or whatever you want to call me, call me right? And, uh, you know, of course, that's, that's who you are now, right? Like, yeah. you're in the city, and so it's like, it's not talking shit about it. It's just saying there, there are people out there that are vastly different than, than you can even imagine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and those people are so disenfranchised too. If you think about working people in rural areas and farmers and stuff like that, like I've spent so much time around those people and like understand them. You know what I mean? I'm like, I understand why you think the way you think, yeah, you know, yeah. like I fucking get it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's also just like, those are some of the people too, that like, you're not hearing about, you don't hear about those people. And that's part of why they are the way they are, you know, like, they're not taken into consideration by anything. They pay a shitload of taxes and they don't get a lot of public, you know, like things like what is, they don't care about the fucking public transit in, in, in the city, you know, that's like an hour away. Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. What, I, what, what would I pay for that for? Like, I'm never in the city, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, why would I pay for a light rail that I'm never going to use? That obviously sucks. You know what I mean? That's why these like public transit, like, uh, legislation like well i think it's good for those people in the city and i think yeah the whole state should pay for them but you also got to think about those rural people like because like where you and i come from like that's not something that we saw you know what i mean like and 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 i think i think the senate or the house just passed a bill saying that like the the minimum of high-speed internet has to be 100 up and 100 down right whereas before it was like three and six like, mm-hmm. um, I'm talking about megabytes per second, I believe. Um, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, when you're talking about three and six up to a hundred to be classified as high speed internet, like, it just doesn't seem like, like, rural people don't ever get any of those. Uh, benefits that the city people do and that's that is a, a big division in rural and city dwelling people i think you can create a less of a left right uh um and div- div- diversification if you give some of those rural, give some some of those funds to rural people yeah yeah exactly well i mean that's like why washington people over in eastern washington want to like create a different state you know I mean, it's like, oh, people, people in Seattle dictate every single thing about our state. And I'm like, life is so much different over there. Like, it is it is so vastly different yeah. than it is over living, you know, on this side of the state. So, I, mean, I mean, to make a quick comparison, I remember that one of the big things in Washington was like, I, I might have even said this on the podcast, but it was like bringing a, a, a wolf species over to eastern Washington because they were like kind of being hunted out of extinction or whatever a wolf species over there. But the problem was the the wolves from northern or western Washington uh, were much larger than they were in eastern Washington. And so once they were transported over to eastern Washington, they kind of destroyed an area and they became an invasive species actually because they were just like that much more like larger intelligent like they were a different species right like yeah yeah no they were huge they were they were like they were like uh part like alaskan wolf or something Mm -hmm. like that too like they were of like alaskan uh descent or something like that so they were just massive wolves that that was really big because wsu has a really big like a culture like or a program with like wolves and stuff and um i read a lot of articles about it in the in the college paper there because like there was a guy that was studying it and basically like yeah, that was like a big fuck up, <laughs> you know, like that was like a huge thing. But then like when they just started hunting the packs, though, they start, you know, like they, they start hunting packs of wolves without taking into consideration the, the, the societal structure of those wolves. And, and like one of the arguments, this is kind of way off topic, you know, but like 
is like don't you can't just go and kill the biggest and baddest wolf you can't just kill the alpha you kill the alpha you're ruining an entire structure yeah and so like it doesn't just like piece itself back together you know and it like that causes a lot of like chaos inside of their little inside of the little societies that they have and like there are better ways to do it than by just hunting right but like that's generally how it's been done over there you know, like in places like that where people are just like, yeah, just fucking kill him. But it's like, that's why you have a problem in the first place. Like, cause you just murdered your, all your fucking wolf packs, you know? So it's not like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to find an answer, especially when it's like, you're, you're getting answers only from people that are only coming from one side of that issue. You know, like either the hunters or the people that are wolf experts that study Alaskan wolves, but it's like, you're not studying wolf behavior in Eastern Washington specifically, you know, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's all very interesting. Uh, like kind of as a, like a general statement, I think like the West coast, uh, states are a very interesting, like view into how like states can be incredibly diverse, right? Like mm-hmm. state, like, I, I'm, I'm like one to say that I honestly think that Washington state will in the next 20 years become much more of a purple state than it is a blue state, right? Because we see this like rural migration into the urban areas and they're going to, the, those rural people do take, tend to take those, their values into the city. And I think there's a lot more of that into the city now, especially with like the California migration in Seattle, which like however you may feel about that like that is happening and and i think you can see that all throughout california and even oregon because outside of like again the the metropolitan areas you have these large rural areas and those are red areas like those those are Mm -hmm. hard red areas like those those win by huge huge majorities for the republican party and I think that will be something that we will have to face politically in the near future. I think some of the coast coastal states will, or at least Western coastal states, will see some uh, challenges to the democratic rule that they see now. Well, yeah, I mean, we were, you know, like, shit, is Jay Inslee going to win or not? You know what I mean? Like, we obviously have our issues with Jay Inslee, but, like, we were just like, holy shit, if somebody else wins that is like conservative like what is that going to do for washington yeah. you know i mean if anyone if anyone halfway attractive outside of like culp or whatever wins like and this is getting into washington politics i don't want to do that but like culp is just yeah. this guy who like promotes like a 30 dollar uh car registration tax or whatever and so like the uh, multiple multiple hundred dollars we have or had back home like if anyone halfway attractive runs like Jay Inslee will be challenged, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, I think that's yeah. very fair to say. Um, but anyway, outside of that, uh, I want to get started with this episode. Yeah, let's, let's get into this. Yeah, yeah. so uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Leftovers Podcast. I am Jacob. This is Jason. What's up, everybody? Uh, before we get into our topic, I wanted to give a shout out to our Patreon donors. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Remy. Thank you, RJ. You guys are fucking awesome. Um, A big thank you from Jason and I for the support. 
Um, huge, huge shout out to Remy this week for posting some of the merch he purchased on the Instagram channels. And that put, his post got a little of attention and that gave us some attention. So like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like him and Slingshot Northwest or PNW or whatever his handle is, whatever that band handle is. Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and check out Slingshot too. They're sweet. Yeah, cool punk band. Awesome fucking punk band. Um, to support Leftovers podcast, listeners can go to our link in the episode description. There we have our Patreon link, our social media link, our so- our storefront link, and links to our various pod- links to the various podcast platforms that we publish on. There are more. These are just the, the big four popular ones. Uh, listeners can donate to our Patreon. Uh, they will get shoutouts like our supporters do now. Every episode, uh, they can purchase our merchandise for a discounted rate. Uh, this merchandise, like Chase and I designed, like, uh, yeah, we're not like printing the t-shirts ourselves, but we put the designs out there. Um, another way to do that is to like rate and review our podcast on any of the chosen platforms you guys listen on. And uh, follow us on social media. Give us a like, give us a share. Super grateful for any of that stuff. Uh, so today's topic is a continuation. <laughs> we are so bad at this introduction because you laugh at me, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, so today's topic is a continuation of sorts of last week's topics, but instead of money, we were talking about happiness. Um, and as we learned about last week, it's, uh, as we learned last week, articles written by privileged people for privileged people, but often pointed to as a cure for individual failure in a system that is not structured on the oppression and exploitation of the many for the benefit of the few. There's a little bit of sarcasm there. Um, the listeners here may be asking, Jacob, why do you hate happiness? <laughs> why? Uh, and those that know me, honestly, will be like, yeah, man, you're not like the perkiest cup of coffee in the cafe, right? I know that. I get that. But I don't hate happiness. Uh, but I do hate articles like this. Because they never hint at the material conditions that bring about anxiety, depression, or the general misery into our everyday lives. They never question the workplace in any real manner. They never question the structures of our incredibly lonely society. They posit that feelings of anxiety, sadness, or loneliness are symptoms of individual choices as things that are meant to be practiced out of us, that we can train ourselves out of them. And I just want to take a moment to say that, like, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, depression, anxiety, loneliness, in any clinical manner, I hope that you have the ability to seek professional guidance. Like, and I know how um, privileged that sounds because I know that in our rotted out husk 
of a country, mental health treatment is far and away too expensive. But that makes me hate these articles even more. Because if you feel the inkling of these things, you go to the internet, obviously, because we go to the internet for information. And these articles are going to tell you some bullshit thing that says, just think your way out of it. And I think that's unfair. Yeah, and and I wanted to say also that, you know, for people that are, you know, living in these kinds of situations and like, if you are happy and content, but you still, you know, like suffer from anxiety and like have all these things and you deal with them in a certain way, like, like, I don't want to come off as being like, okay, whatever you're doing, like we don't agree with or something, you know, like, I just think that everybody deals with these things differently and on a different level. And, and that like, I don't want to, I don't want it to, to make people that are happy or, or are okay. You know, I don't want it to make them think about their anxiety more because, because there is something to that, right. Where it's like, if you're, if you're fine, you know, where you're at and you're, you know, you don't think about your money problems too often, like, then, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want this to, to like jog that and be like, oh, well, maybe you should think about it more because you should be unhappy about it. You know, like, that's something that I wanted to say as well. Um, and, and this is something that I take really seriously because it's something that I've been struggling with for a really long time. And, and like it is, it, I have, I mean, it hasn't been clinically, you know, like, I guess diagnosed or anything, but I have really bad anxiety, um, really bad depression. And, um, I've contemplated suicide multiple times and it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to sometimes read some of these things, you know, when, when it's like, this might work for, for people on a certain level, but there's also a level, like you said, we need to destigmatize. And also I wish it was so much more available to people to get medical help and like to get, you know, like mental health medical treatment, like is so important. And I feel like it's something that gets put on the back burner and is so stigmatized. Um, especially in our country. And I think that unless you had a different point you wanted to start at, um, we were reading an article about the, like the history of happiness. Right. And, and I read that one and and I really liked it. And, and I kind of came to the conclusion that like, I I'm pretty sure why we stigmatize happiness so much in this country is because we pushed for people to be so happy all the time. It's like, you know, it's in our constitution, obviously, the pursuit of happiness. And when we made that cultural shift, it was it was almost unacceptable to like not be pleasant. You know, it was unacceptable to 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 show grief or to show sadness. Right. I mean, if you think about it, if you're on like a bus, if you're in a public area and somebody's laughing hysterically, having a good time. Usually that resonates inside of you, right? You start laughing. You think it's funny. It's like, oh my gosh, what's happening, right? But usually if somebody's crying or looks sad or anything like that or is not in a good situation, we look away. We don't engage with it. 
And I think that that is because it's like, we don't, we push for happiness so much, like push, like you should be happy. You should be happy with this. You should be happy with your career. You should find happiness in all these things. But in my life, I've never been offered any sort of actual advice on how to be existentially happy, you know, and what it actually means. And, and so a lot of it, I think goes into the mindset that we play with that, that we put into how we view happiness, how we view being sad and and trying to ignore negative emotions instead of embracing them and and understanding them and actually learning how to deal with them. Yeah. I think happiness is such, it's this weird phenomenon, right? Like I remember being in high school and writing a paper about like what I wanted to do for a career. And I remember writing this paper and being like graded down because I wrote, I don't know what my career is going to be because I didn't have any like (laughs) uh, career guidance. But I remember being like, I just want to be happy. Like no matter what it is, I just want to be happy. Right. And and, like someone was like, well, that's not, you know, a career, which is, yeah, sure. Maybe within the thing is true, but it's like, well, happiness is this almost unattainable goal because we're always seeking more almost right and but the problem is like these where we're like i'm not going to try and define happiness for everybody because i don't know what that is for everybody i don't even like i know what that is for me very very recently <laughs> in my life and like the problem with these things these articles that we're about to mention is that like they give you like a formula and I don't think happiness is the same for everyone. You know, like even between Jason and I, like, I don't think happiness looks the same between the two of us. Um, and I, and that's not to say that there's this large, uh, gap between Jason and I, I just think it's because happiness is defined by, uh, literally the person who you are and to give you these, um, oversimplified solutions is similar to the financial advice articles. It's like, those don't work for everybody. They just don't. Well, they, I think a lot of times these types of things take a lot of time and energy. They take a lot of time and a lot of mental energy and, and, and obviously when you are poor and you're living paycheck to paycheck, like time is your money, right? You don't have a ton of free time. Um, and even if you do, you know, like having two days off, like that's, you know, having a weekend on a normal basis is, is, is awesome, you know, but like th- th- that doesn't mean there shouldn't be more, you know, and like being able to devote time to figure out what being happy is like, I think that's something that I've personally have struggled with where it's like, to me in the last few years, you know, like I've been finding myself wanting to get out of the mental state that I've been in for a while. And, 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 and like, it's really hard because, you know, owning a business, you know, like going from working full time and owning a business and then now to like moving in it, you know, into a new city and opening up that business. And, uh, you know, it's just been like mentally and emotionally and physically, like I'm just drained all the time. And it's like, I can go to the gym and just barely function there. You know what I mean? So like mentally, it's like, 
and I know a lot of people that do this, it's like you get done with the day, you, you mentally go shut off. And like finding happiness does take a lot of mental energy. And it's like when people are already exhausted and like you said, anxious and depressed and all this stuff, finding that mental energy is really, really hard. And and what I felt like from these articles is they don't answer that question. They give you, like you said, the oversimplified answers. You're thinking about your anxiety or your problems too much. That's okay. I understand that point. Yes, that's true. But like, you're not giving me an answer if I am a super anxious person that's emotionally and physically exhausted. How how do people get over that? And then you're not addressing the issues of like, people are working six days a week. People are working overtime. People are so exhausted and you're not questioning a lot of structures that might get in the way. Did you, did you, uh, do you want to start with the history of happiness any more than what you already have? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's some, there's some kind of cool stuff in there, you know, uh, it's interesting that uh, what this mentions is culturally, at least in the West, in America, like happiness being a part of our like uh, way of life has only been like maybe the last like two or three hundred years, and like before that, it was it was it was pushed to be more stoic, you know, it was pushed to be more like, or melancholy or just things like that. Right. Like just be content, like contentment was, and it was almost like people would apologize for showing too much happiness. Right. Like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so happy, you know, or I don't mean to gloat or whatever it is, you know? And I think that that also has to do probably with like technological, like revolutions and stuff like that too, where it's like, we obviously now humans know that we have a certain standard of living that we can, uh, that we can live up to, you know what I mean? Like, or we have these things, like we know that life can be good and we know what it can be now. Right. And so I think like once we started to see that, like once people started living relatively comfortable lives, I think that's kind of when the shift happened where it's like, no, we can, we can find happiness, you know? Cause like, most people would argue, oh, I'm not going to find happiness working in a radium facility 17 hours a day, you know, and, you know, barely getting paid for it. You know, like the, the, I think that once we started to see that shift towards like the nuclear family and, you know, like one job taking care of a family and, and that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, people started to focus more on happiness and it was like more okay to be happy. And I think that it's funny too, because it, it mentions a lot of other cultures that just don't really express happiness outwardly. And, um, you know, I think it's said in there, a, a newer aged Russian adage is if, if somebody is happy and smiling, they're either delusional or they're American. And, and I thought, yeah, actually the, the exact quote is a person who smiles a lot is either a fool or an American. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, and and I feel like I can attest to that because, like, obviously we grew up around a lot of Russian people, and it's like, <laughs> you know, that seemed like the mentality. It's just like very, I don't want to say harsh and mean, but it's just very like straightforward. You know, it's like I don't mm-hmm. want to chit chat. We don't need to smile. We don't need to exchange pleasantries. You know, and and I feel like yeah, yeah. what I got out of reading this article about the history is that 
like I said before, right, I think it kind of causes a stigma about unhappiness, but it also makes it, it gives people this idea that like even if they're not happy, they need to put that front up. And I feel like when people start putting that front up, that's also when you start to feel that disconnect and you start to feel even more sad because you're just like, I can't even express how I actually feel because it's so unpleasant to other people, you know, culturally. I found, I found that, I found that the most interesting part of that article. So the article is a history of happiness by Peter Stearns uh, at the Harvard, Harvard business review. It's from 2012, but it, it was basically, he basically says, uh, what Jason's getting at here is like when McDonald's first arrived in Russia, the first task was to train clerks to seem cheerful. Uh, never, never, ever asking like, well, maybe McDonald's expectation of happiness is like <laughs> unnecessary, right? Like, um, but it's also like the Amer like American consumers feel like they have to be catered to. Right. Because my experience in fast food, especially in Europe, is that like people aren't necessarily interested in like what I'm doing, which like, why would you be? Because in reality, if you think about it, it's actually just like fake. No one actually cares at the register what you're doing it's that just, day. So why what, do, what so do you want? Why do you mean? Why, what why do you, you want? Let me make it for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I be, so, I'll be pleasant, so but I, I, don't, I don't care about your life right now. <laughs> Got yeah, you don't have to be nice. You just have to be, you know, courteous yeah. or whatever. And, and I've always found, like, my biggest shock the first time I went to Europe was, like, oh, these people don't actually, like, I'm a small talker. Um, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. And they're, like, look at me like I'm a crazy person because they know I don't actually care how it's going for them, right? As we should know that, like, People don't actually care about. Like, we're not children. We don't need to be catered to. Like, just give me the fucking thing, and I'll I'll leave. Right. Sorry, I dropped a thing. Uh, anyway, so get uh, uh to get into this uh. To get into our outline here of how to be happy, what is happiness, I wanted I put together a little bit of a, a couple articles that we can kind of dive into and kind of think apart. Uh, this first one is How to Be Happy by Tara Parker, Tara Parker um, at New York Times. And her article starts off with, Quote, we know happiness can predict health and longevity, and happiness scales can be used to measure social progress and success of public policies. But happiness isn't something that just happens to you. Everyone has the power to make small changes in our behavior, our surroundings, and our relationships that can help us on course for a happier life. Unquote. And, and, and my first question is this. Does everyone actually have the ability to change their surroundings, their relationships, their behaviors? I would say no. But these articles, blame is placed on the individual. It's the same thread that we kind of talked about last week in that, like, these aren't institutional 
issues about finance. These are institutional things about happiness because not everyone has the ability to change jobs like that. Not everybody has the ability to change residence like that. Not everyone has the ability to change money situations like that. People are stuck very often in their social social situations. Yeah, I think I think that's super true, right? Like being stuck is when people are in that situation and they're stuck or in those situations because there could be multiple um you know feeling stuck like that. I think that's a a huge thing that doesn't get addressed where it's like okay, if you can't change certain factors about your life, right? Cuz like you said, not everybody has the opportunity to have a career change or like, Oh, I need to just move. Maybe I should go to a different state. You know, like I need to be around a less stressful environment. Right. Cause those things can work for a certain type of person. Right. Like, yeah, if you're living in a city, maybe you move to the countryside and you can live a little bit more of a peaceful life. I wouldn't doubt that those things might make that person more happy, but that doesn't, that's not available to every single person. Right. And what I think from, from just that small little tidbit is, is kind of like, like I think that we can manipulate our like reactions to things, you know, like bad thoughts come into your head and you can manipulate that, right? You can be like, what am I going to do with these negative thoughts, right? Like that is something that's super real. But like I said, training your brain to do that takes a lot of mental power and mental work and it doesn't it's 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 hard it's hard mental labor it, it, it's not necessarily something that like if you're already exhausted exactly it's it's not going to be something if you're like for example if you're working three jobs you're driving driving uber and doing two part-time jobs you're not going to have like the mental energy to be like, Oh, I need to <laughs> move cities or whatever. Right. So to get started on this article, uh, this article's route to happiness with the mind. Uh, Parker page, uh, has this section as mind, uh, with the subhead of happiness often comes from within learn how to tame, Learn how to tame negative thoughts and approach every day with optimism. So to conquer negative thinking, we must be a bit more like Tigger than Eeyore uh, from Winnie the Pooh. Despite the human tendency to be the reverse, so she, so she's so this uh, so she suggests that we should be more like Tigger than Eeyore, right? Even though our minds are like rapidly moving towards ER, um, which I think it's it. Uh, this isn't even something I wrote about, but I think it's very hilarious to um, contemplate mental health in the terms of Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> um, because it's obviously a, a kid's story. We're not children. But she's basically saying we must work harder to train train our brains, like, and this is how you do it. And she has multiple steps here. We're going to kind of break down each step. 
So don't try to solve negative thoughts. Instead, own your worries and acknowledge your negative, negative cycles. Which is insane, right? Because how do you how do you not how do you not like try and get rid of the thoughts or how do you own healthily like I'm about to get kicked out of my apartment or I'm drowning in student debt? How do you transform them into something that they are not? Well, yeah, and, and like I I also would say to that, you know, like thinking in some of my most like darkest mental periods of time, it's like, I I can acknowledge those thoughts that I had, but I'm not embracing those thoughts. Like, like those are not thoughts that human beings should probably naturally ever have. You know what I mean? And, and, and yeah, and, and to be told to like, well, you know, when those like, <laughs> It's not like, oh man, shucks, you know, like, what am I going to do today? Because blah, 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 this happened. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, like th- that's not the thought process behind people that are, are seriously depressed and have serious social anxiety. Yeah. I mean, there's just no transformation for that, right? Like those are things that eat at you. And those are those are material things that you can't think away. You can't. Uh, so, so the next suggestion here is treat yourself like a friend. Ask yourself what advice you would give a friend who is down, and give that advice to yourself. And I, and my first comment here is like, if you're unhappy, shouldn't you be honest with your friends that you don't know how to how to tell them to be happy, right? Like, if you're suffering from an unhappiness, why would you, like, lie? And be like, oh, yeah, this is how I do it, <laughs> yeah. right? Are you really being a friend to someone then, or is you, you just got fake friends? Yeah, like, the conversations I have in my head are the conversations I have with my friends that are going Ooh. through similar things. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, and if anything, like, you can make friends like misery loves company, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I put I put here in my notes like it's like asking a person who has had their debts paid off on budgeting and this is a lie, right? You shouldn't lie to your friends. You shouldn't lie to your friends about how to be happy. It seems very much so like if you are in this depressed situation. This article is not for you because this is about a moment of feeling having a bad day at work, which is very different than seeking happiness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the so the next suggestion here is challenge your negative thoughts. Suggest using internal Socratic method questioning, changing from "I am a failure" to "I've had a lot of success success in my career." Uh, Parker Page suggests writing down your negative thoughts, then asking yourself this line of questions, which I personally will pair with answers from my earlier example of eviction. So, what is your evidence? What is the evidence for this thought? The eviction notice, I say. Am I basing this on facts or feelings? Facts. The eviction notice, I say. 
Could I be misinterpreting misinterpreting the situation? No. The eviction notice is pretty clear. How might others view this situation differently? Like what? An opportunity to urban camp? <laughs> the landlord might think of it as an opportunity to, to rent the space out again. <laughs> yeah. How might I view this situation if it happened to someone else? I would view them as getting an eviction notice. This is the problem with these articles. Is that they predicate on the idea that these are not material conditions. Bringing you this stress. This is your own thinking. It makes you feel as if you have to just get into the right mindset. Yeah. As if, as if, as if we haven't developed these feelings of anxiety, of depression, of sadness, of loneliness, to tell us about something that isn't healthy for us. Like I think, if we were to listen to our emotions as a society, wholly, it would say this: this this economic structure of capitalism is damaging to most people. And for us to just keep ignoring that shit is damaging to society. Well, I think it goes to say, like, to, to, to speak on that is like, look at how people, the language people started using. Once we went into like lockdown initially from COVID, people are like, I'm spending time with my kids and my family for the first time in a long time. You know, like... This made me think, wow, I really need a break from this stuff. And the, in, in the instant people started to have to sit in traffic again, I started hearing stories of people like, I almost mentally broke down because of traffic, be, just because of the little bit of stress and anxiety that that causes. You know, and then to just know that like, yeah, but you're not crazy. Like the way we live life is just so, so bizarre, you know? Yeah, it's un- and it's so... I mean, I don't know if it's unnecessary or not, you know what I mean? Because it just is what it is. But at the same time, it's like, obviously, if those are the, the, the emotions that you can go through and the realizations you can have within just a couple weeks, maybe a month, you know, that's like obvious that like, okay, some sort of cultural and economic shift needs to happen where like this whole work and money thing should not be the focus of our life. And, and and like, if it is, it shouldn't be in a stressful way where it's like, I need this stuff to survive, you know, like this is the very survival of me or, you know, not getting evicted or being able to feed my family or myself or, or, or seek help for my, for my mental conditions. You know what I mean? Like, or even just regular medical problems, you know, like th- who's to say that like, okay, uh, you should just be happy about getting your huge medical bill or the fact that you can't afford crucial medicine that like you might die in two weeks if you don't have, you know, like, well, just be happy. You know, like if you do have two weeks, you should really start to figure out what really makes you happy in life. You know, like, yeah, sure. It's fine. if That's what you want to do in that last two weeks. But like, to me, it's like, if that person was going to die, yeah, maybe you should try to find some peace and happiness in your life. But as a person that is standing outside looking at that, it's like that situation shouldn't be happening in the first place. 
It shouldn't be. That person shouldn't have to be going through that struggle. We shouldn't have to be going through this much of a struggle to be happy. I think that's one of the points that I get from this stuff is like finding happiness shouldn't be this fucking hard. You know, happiness – I get fucking happy when I'm camping and I just look at trees and nature and like hear birds and see a stream. You know what I mean? And and like – or if I see – just just so many little things, you know, that like make me genuinely happy. But it's like those things can't be a part of my life 100% of the time because unfortunately we have to dedicate ourselves so much to working and producing. No, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I actually have nothing to add to that. Uh, I'm just going to move on. Astute. Yeah. Apt. Apt analysis. Yeah. Uh, so Parker Page moves on to another suggestion here, uh, which is how to control breathing. Uh, she notes that science has revealed this ancient practice of breathing can reduce symptoms of anxiety, insomnia, PTSD, depression, and ADD. Uh, she continues to note that yogis have, u- have been using this practice for centuries. Also, the Buddha advocated this practice this section is basically do yoga try it right which is like sure go stretch i'm a stretch advocate i stretch most nights has it helped (laughs) that's from yeah i mean my hip i guess not my stress right like Um that one that one i might push back on you a little bit because i i believe in meditation and I've used it to help certain situations, right? Like I've used it to help me sleep more and sleeping more makes me less like have like less anxiety and stress throughout the day. And, and like I do, I solidly believe in the science behind and just like the practice of, uh, of meditation and just being like the, cause I don't know if you've read much about it. I've read a lot on the subject and read a lot of, you know, like, uh, older, like Buddhist philosophies, like being, you know, like translated into like a, a newer age, like kind of pers- like perspective. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff I really like because it, it does really, a lot of it does help, you know, like I, I've found that controlled breathing, uh, helps me even in the moment. It can really help me. Uh, like relieve stress. You know, if I take like 10 to 20 seconds to, to, to go and like count my breath and go breathe it and like to settle your mind in that moment. But I think that the, the, the part that's really hard is that like these one, a lot of that is commercialized now, right? Like, like it, it's hard to just, it's, it's easy. You can practice yoga at home or whatever, but like, those are also things you have to pay for. You have to pay to, to view, you know, a, a lot of helpful stuff. And that's fine because a lot of people are trying to make money off of their practice, which I'm not against, but at the same time, it makes it, you know, that much more exclusive, where it's like yoga should be this thing that's not commercialized by white people and sold for really expensive. You know, it's this ancient thing that is cultural and that is meant to be passed on from people. And and it's not something that's ingrained into us socially from when we're young. And, and I feel like, like I said before, meditation, like I haven't even done it enough to have the full effect of it. 
you have to dedicate so much time and energy and work to to make these things even a little bit relevant in your life. I mean, like most people that I've read that talked about it are like, I went to the Himalayas and studied it, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, of course I have that option. I could go do that too, right? Like that's something I've always had as, 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 a, as a fallback plan. Like I'm just going to go become a monk, you know? Like if, if all shit hits the fan and I have nothing to do and I'm like homeless or whatever, like, the first thing I'm going to do is try to do that. Right. Like, but at the same time, it's like in our modern world, a lot of times those things get used as like meditation. Isn't supposed to be like a, Oh, you know, do it for, for five minutes here in the morning and then it's good. You know, meditation is supposed to be a fucking thing. You practice for hours at a time to really see the spiritual, and, and I mean that in not like a religious way, but to, to really feel the existential benefits of those things, it takes a lot of time and effort again. I feel like not just in this article, but in other articles I've read about this kind of stuff, it's like it's treated as like a Band-Aid. Like go, go stretch, go meditate, go do this yoga, whatever. Which And I'm not saying that doesn't make you feel good in the moment, but – problem is like you can put some ointment on a festering wound and slap a band-aid over it and that band-aid over that festering wound yeah. is basically yoga and i'm not saying that yoga isn't worthwhile to do i'm not saying any of those things against yoga i'm saying that like people who go and search i'm unhappy aren't probably unhappy because of these <laughs> Because of these, like, oh, I just need to stretch more, right? These are, like, material conditions that can be solved in this political yeah. uh, theater, right? And yoga isn't going to ever solve that. And so Parker Page, uh, her next suggestion is rewrite your story. So writing about oneself and personal experiences and then rewriting your story can lead to behavioral change and improve happiness. Journal for 15 minutes a day. What is it? How did... 15 minutes a day? What if you work three jobs? What if you live in your car? What if you're getting evicted? Hold up. I need a journal real quick. Maybe it would help. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That. Well, and, and the fact that it says rewrite, you know, like what, put a, put a different spin on it, change what the actual facts are of the story. And then it'll make me believe something different than act, what's actually happening. Right. Which this is going to tie into a later thing. And I'm just going to highlight here the word delusional um, because we'll see that later. But so one example from this article is money is a challenge, but you can take steps to get yourself into refer financial to shape. these articles. <laughs> refer to our last episode, please. Right, uh, and so uh, there's a quote or a quote from a University of Texas psychology professor that says the idea here is getting people to come to terms with who they are, where they want to go. I think of expressive writing as a life course correction. Dude, 
I could write, I wrote a lot when I was broke. Trying to like work myself out of it. <laughs> I'm just a pretty shitty writer, actually. <laughs> uh, especially at that time. And it's like, that didn't do anything for me, man. What are, what are we talking about here? Yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna. So she has another one. It's called "Let's Get uh, Get Moving," and I'm gonna say skip that one because this is basically go for a walk sometimes. And like honestly, sure, just like the stretching, go for a walk sometimes helps, right? Um, but but the, the, the next big one here is practice optimism. And this and this little piece of of the article is super small, short lived. All I wanted to really mention here is the quote that says, optimism, like pessimism, can be infectious. So make a point of hanging out with optimistic people. Which directly ties into her earlier suggestion that you should change your environment, right? You change the people you hang out with. But what if you can't do that? And we're not to mention we're stuck at work. 40 hours a week, most people... People who we don't change that to we be can't around. change if we really wanted to, you know. <laughs> yeah. At all. Yeah, because because I think about it in at any point in my life, the people that I work with are my peers. They're the people that I spend the most time with, and the people I consider my friends. And yeah, so it's really. This one's really hard too because I don't know what the effects of that. I can say, and you used to tell me this when we would skateboard, but when I'm around my friends that are really good at skateboarding and are very positive, I skate a lot better. You know what I mean? But again, like, that that doesn't apply to every every facet of my life. You know what I mean? Like, like so that like yeah. you said, like, oh, if you're financially struggling, hang out with people who are positive about that and optimistic. It's like, well, what if I work at a factory and everybody that works there's the same? <laughs> we're all we're all in the, the same, same boat. Everyone I work mean. with is stressed to their limit, are behind on their bills, are never making enough money, are volunteering for every bit of overtime they can you know it's like we're all doing the same thing oh over and over and over again you know and then like i said when you're working full-time or multiple jobs right sometimes people with multiple jobs don't have a true weekend you know they don't have two days off maybe not even one maybe one day they just work like three or four hours so it's not a lot but even if you are working full-time like having two days off is not enough to like get your personal life together you know like clean your house to get your things in in order to you know sit down and pay all your bills to have time to relax to have time to have a little bit of fun have you know like i i it i have one day off a week right now and i can tell you that like it is it is not i i i can't be i can't be happy doing it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I can't. I'm like by the time I'm relaxed and I feel good, I'm like, oh, I have to go to bed and then wake up early and go back to work tomorrow. Like w- like having one day off of work is not 
sufficient. And to know that like, even when I had two days, I felt like that was the same story. But now that I have one, I look back and I'm like, two was awesome. But I'm like, even then it wasn't enough, you know? And like, I look at that now and I'm like, yeah, it's like every other week I have to choose. Is this a fun day off or is this like a busy clean day off? You know what I mean? I think, you know, to speak on this a little bit, I, I think, I think my longest vacation ever, and I don't mean to brag here, was like 16 days. Um, and to be honest, like I didn't feel relaxed yeah. until about day five. But the thing is like after day five, right, you got X amount of days. But then about four days before you go back to work, that thing already starts launching back into your brain, right? Going back to work. So you don't really have, I never really had those 16 days. You trip like 10 days off of that, (laughs) you know, and you. Yeah. And so I got like a week of relaxation, but you have to take two weeks off to just get that. And so the weekend is literally the minimum amount that it takes to for our mental psychology like our mental ability to reproduce our labor for the next week i think that's where the 40 hours a week five hours a day that thing came in because it's the minimum amount people like workers are off of themselves right because it just it doesn't make sense like without those two days without like and I, I would say, you know, your story is a little bit different. You're working for yourself. You have your own business. Of course, it's going to be a struggle. But like to go back to work for someone else five days a week and only have two days off, it's the minimum amount yeah. to reproduce. Yeah, exactly. Labor. And like you said, you the start minimum. feeling that dread. You start feeling the dread of, of it repeating itself. And, and as much as I yeah. can't because – and I guess I would like to say like, you know, you can train yourself to say – I don't need to think about that. Right. And that can make you more happy, less anxious in that moment. Right. And it can, but that, that's still there. That whole, that overall problem is still there where you're like capitalism still here. Monday's still right there. Bill's still down. So this next article I'm going to get into, it was called the secret of happiness by Suzanne Deggs white. Uh, it's from 2017 in Psychology Today. Uh, this one starts off with a connecting line from last week, I think. And so it's, quote, When most of us think that we make what makes us happy, we tend to focus on things in life we crave or long to own. These things may be concrete, consumables, or they may be intangible resources such as time and a peace for true love. Which I... Unquote. It, it only connects to last week about the, I think we mentioned something about minimalism, right? Like, oh, I'm more of a, 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 a memories person rather than a things person. So Degs White, uh, after a little bit of a puff about instant feedback and hearing about living off the grid online, she says, downsizing, right-sizing, or decluttering, decluttering all reflect the same realization that is gaining momentum. Possessions simply won't bring lasting happiness to our lives. Happiness is a state of being, not a pile of stuff. That's so easy to say when... You have the stuff to get rid of. 
when you have the stuff to get rid of, when you have the stuff that you don't need to pile the stuff. And, and so this article can be summed up in what is what 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 she calls and what I'm going to call the big four happiness factors. And I'm going to skip over the first one here because it says friendliness first, which I think Jason kind of alluded to earlier. It's basically like, yeah, sure, everyone can be a little more friendly. Why not? But the second one makes me a little bit, my skin crawl a little bit. It's make cheerfulness your default demeanor. Just smile. If someone is coming to you for help, just, just smiling will help you forget about your frustration and exhaustion and be present in an awesome way. That's what the quote is. And so I just thought about, hey, landlord, can I get a rent moratorium until I get a job? I just lost my job. <laughs> and some psycho landlord's just smiling at you like, <laughs> no, but I'm so cheerful that you get to, uh, an opportunity to find new surroundings. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, you can pay rent online to make it easier so you don't have to come in here. <laughs> Exactly. Shoot me an email next time. <laughs> like, yeah, tell me you're moving now. Oh man, that's uh, that's it, good. It's just like, oh, it's just disgusting, right? It's like a, a punch in the gut. And, and the next one here is be compassionate, which I understand. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty empathetic person. But the fourth one is offer gratitude. Offer gratitude is one of these things that we say to people that are miserable or whatever. And we're like, look, you should just offer, you should be, you know, grateful that you have the things that you have. This is such a bullshit line. And Deggs White says this, whatever you have in life and wherever you are, you can find some reason to be grateful. I say this. Thanks boss for paying me shit wages. I sure am glad to be here. I'd be homeless or dead without you. <laughs> like, exactly. Why, why are those the options? It's a fucking binary choice. It's work or work or die. Or become a monk. Or become a monk. <laughs> so Deg's White offers a fifth thing in her for explanations to happiness or factors to happiness. And when you're feeling lonely, do this. Close your eyes for a moment. Imagine a loved one smiling at you. It works almost every time. Oh, here, I'll try it real quick. Oh, wait, I don't have to. You're smiling at me right now. Okay, it's making me feel better. <laughs> yeah, see? It works almost every time. I feel good now, but then as soon as we hang up, I'm going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah. And folks, these are the secrets to happiness. Beggs White begins her conclusion like this, quote, so I've shared the secrets of happiness. Be happy. Being happy is that simple. But maybe you're wondering, why bother being happy? Yeah. Can you imagine questioning why bothering being happy? Why being anxious or depressed or whatever is not the, the, the right state of mind, the default state of mind, as if people who are not happy are like, this is the way I like to be. She continues. 
There's so much drama with politics, healthcare, the economic crisis, global warming, domestic strife, you name it. I get it. Sometimes it seems like you're expecting the world to make you happy. It simply isn't going to happen. So, so, so no matter what your material condition is, fucking put a smile on your face. Because the world is going to kick you in it. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is, is like, okay, this is something that I've started to understand about what happiness is, right? Because people act like it's this thing that you achieve, right? Happiness is this thing you achieve. And what I think it is is that life is just a uh, a timeline of events that you react to in however you react to them, right? So sometimes you're happy, right? And focusing on those things can make you feel more happy, right? Like, I had a good day today, so today was awesome, or, you know, I did this, and it was really fun, and that's really cool, but, like, oh, I got into a car wreck, (laughs) you know what I mean? That sucks. Oh, uh, you know, like, I broke my leg skateboarding, and I couldn't afford to pay for an ambulance, you know, and I can't afford medical bills, and all these things happen, right? And I think that what it is is that these articles also make you think, right, that they're putting the blame on you, which... Again, I'm not saying that happiness isn't up to us. Like, we can have all of the things that we need and still be unhappy, right? So, yes, I think that that's in some cases true. But I think that it's also just like happiness comes, happiness goes, sadness comes, sadness goes, right? Like, those are all normal things. And I just think that the the thing that these articles don't hit on for me is like they're they don't address like why so many people are clinically fucking depressed and 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 like having such bad mental illness and mental health problems. You know what I mean? Like not mental illness, just mental health problems like with such bad anxiety, such bad, you know, depression and all that stuff. And I think that that's the thing that, that bugs me about this is like, you know, like obviously seeking professional help is something that as soon as I can afford it, that's what I want to do. You know, like, like going to therapy and like learning from an actual professional, how to deal with these things and like practices you can do. And just like talking through things with, with a third party to, 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 you know, like make you see things possibly in a different way. Cause like, it's just th- this to me, I think that a lot of these articles like in these things for being happy, I don't think that they're just completely bogus, but it's like, just like this one said, arguing about politics and healthcare and this and that. It's like, wh- what are your mental or what are, what are your medical problems? Do you have serious medical problems? Do you have serious financial problems? Do you have serious debt you know, that is crippling. Like you've been paying student loans for 10 years, but for some reason you owe more money than you've already paid into it because of interest, you know, like people that typically say those types of things aren't experiencing anything in reality that other people are that, that could possibly like, Oh, there's no point arguing about healthcare. Yeah. Well, you're not a person that's needing that. Like, that's like, if I was saying like, Oh, who cares about healthcare? I don't have any major health problems right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm not struggling with that. 
and and to say that I couldn't even like that's kind of a bad example because it's like I want to be able to be you know like I don't have the choice I just don't I don't have medical problems that's just a bonus because I wouldn't have medical coverage either way like I just I can't afford it you know I think I think that people saying this have health insurance right yeah. because the, the thing that this quote says is it perfectly highlights my argument about these articles it's, it's these articles are saying do not expect anything from anyone except yourself make no demands of your job make no demands of your property management companies of your society this is your fault you can easily train your way out of it politics is dead the individual is king the world is libertarian be happy because you can where are you are you quoting no oh, okay <laughs> this is this is me saying yeah. what the thing okay. is this is such garbage here yeah yeah. Like why why wouldn't why wouldn't healthcare be a point of happiness? Yeah. Why wouldn't it alleviate stress in my life as if stress as if stress doesn't lead to unhappiness? Yeah. Why wouldn't healthcare if I get sick, I can go to the doctor and not feel like oh shit, I'm going to go bankrupt. Yeah. That lead or like why wouldn't I think global warming being solved by the political apparatus that I have no individual control over is is a good thing when in reality global warming and our non-action towards it politically is literally slowly destroying the world and we're just supposed to smile at it (laughs) yeah what the fuck i think it also that mindset creates the individualistic mindset as well where it's like you're I do think that finding individual happiness can be important and is important for people to not live in a state like we're living in, depressed, unhappy, unable to sleep, you know, like being kept up at night by I, – I mean I've been – people – just the fact that people starve to death in the world has kept me up since I was like 15. You know what I mean? Like I think about it at night all the time. I'm like there are people that are literally starving to death right now. That's just – and there's an entire grocery store down the road full of food. And like – People throwing away dumpsters of food. Yes, people throwing food away and, and, and overproducing it, overproducing and throwing it away. And like it, for it to be consumed twice, consumed as a consumer buying it and then consumed like I eat it, right? So it, it, just that alone, like – and the thing is, is that like, yes, I don't need to think about that 24-7 because it's really fucking depressing. And I used to, right? I used to think about that kind of stuff 24-7, animal rights 24-7, you know, like racism, all this sort of stuff, all these new, any sort of, you know, civil rights issues. Like all these things used to like be on my mind all the fucking time. And, and part of me like thinks like, yeah, that's good. We should be aware of those things all the time. We should know the unjustness of our world. And so like, yeah, I don't need to focus on it 100% of the time, but I don't also need to pretend that it's not real. And I do think that you can be happy and know that those things exist, but like there's still the problem of like, what about the people – you're talking to the people that – obviously aren't maybe going through those situations. You're not talking to them. It's like, and I think that's a point that we probably hit over and over again is like, I feel like this advice is designed for 
a very specific person, like you said, you know, in the beginning, it's designed for a specific person. We're not all the same. All of our circumstances are different. Happiness is defined differently. And you can't just put this, you know, here's the keys right here. Here's five of them. Cause this is what I did. Like, I can't even do that. I can't tell you if I, you know, get out of depression and I'm like, Oh, I'm happy now. You know, like I couldn't just write that and be like, this is what I did. So this is what will work for you. You know what I mean? Like it. I, I, I think these are largely articles kind of like we were talking about last week, written for a certain class, like you were just saying, but it's like, these people are, clearly aren't facing existential crises. Like these people aren't facing familiar, like family crisis where they come from generations and generations of poverty, you know, where they don't have, it's it's like, it's like, Oh, there's an argument on healthcare. You shouldn't care about that in politics. What if you, what if, what if you're depending on that? It seems naive to think that people aren't reading these articles who don't have healthcare. Yeah, and the people that do are reading them like, God, why are all these people arguing all the time about politics? Yeah. Oh, these, these people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just like a white person being like, why, why are we arguing about race all the time? It's the same thing. I mean, I don't want to compare the two. You know, like, in as an idea, it's like the same thing. I can't say there's a white person being like, we need to stop talking about race. You know, it's just irrelevant. We can't do it anymore. The thing is, I like. I think I think you're onto something there. Like talking about race, I know to shut the fuck up and let other people who are experiencing it talk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like as as a white dude, I'm like I should listen. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like when you're talking about if you want to talk about happiness, and then you also want to talk about healthcare in the same, like oh, don't worry about healthcare; it's not tied to your happiness, like. But you're a person with healthcare. Like, shut the fuck yes, up. Yes, talk to someone that doesn't have healthcare, that can't afford it, that doesn't get offered it anywhere, yeah. and ask them how it does affect their happiness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I could, I could bet those people could say, "Yeah, I can be happy here and there. I have moments." You know, but if I had healthcare, I we, uh, yeah. could I be less stressed in life? And maybe that would, you know, like cause maybe more of an overall happiness in my life. Yeah, sure. 100%. So this next article is from 2014. It's a bit older. It's by Eric Barker. It's from Time Magazine and it's called Happy Thoughts. Here are the things proven to make you happier. And we're going to speed through these things because these are kind of repeats. I'm over here so far, but there's some very interesting things in here. So, this question asks, or this article asks, what's the secret to a head full of happy thoughts? First and foremost, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Again, thank you for feeding me shit. I am so glad to be here and take your orders. This is the same thing as the previous article. But this one also posits that bronze medalists are actually happier than silver medalists because they feel grateful to get a medal at all. Which I actually honestly believe that this is a direct analogy for being happy, even though there are people 
much more wealthy than you. This is like, you should be happy even though people are doing better than you. <laughs> Spoken like a true capitalist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I love to be subservient to the ruling class. I'm just glad I'm doing better than other people. The next suggestion, do what you are good at as often as you can. Here, it's a suggestion of signature strength. Things that you do uniquely good, use them to increase happy thoughts. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's so stupid. Uh, it, uh, this article pauses. Uh, exercising signature strengths are why starving artists are happier with their jobs, which I would like to say, I don't think you understand what a starving artist is because starving implies you're starving and you're broke. I'm happy with my career, but uh, overall it's not too great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 continue on the seat, the signature strength thing. It's, it's, it's a secret to experiencing more flow at work and in life. And here's the thing. I remember being pretty good, pretty decent at my manufacturing job. I would say I was pretty freaking excellent. I would say I was uniquely good at some things. These things did not bring me happiness because no matter how expert I was on the subject, my company would listen to the rec would not listen to the recommendations of a lowly mechanic. Multiple times, I had some turd and a caller come and tell me how to do a thing that I've done hundreds of times that they have literally never physically done. This only bred alienation for me. It didn't bring happiness at all. I would continue doing this thing that I was incredibly good at. And it would only make me hate the company more. Because I knew that there was a better way to do it, but I couldn't do it that way. So the second, further, spend as much time as possible with people you like. And while this may seem like a pretty obvious suggestion, like we mentioned before, we spend most of our time at work. <laughs> With people who we don't have any choice of yeah. choosing. Hopefully you like the people you work with. Hopefully. And supposedly this author says that being able to spend more time with friends provides an increase in happiness worth up to an additional $132,000 a year. He never explains how he gets to that number. I shouldn't say he, they. But how many issues would be solved with that 130k a year? People making a minimum wage make like fifteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the point that I think is important in this article from 2014. Money is good, but many other things are better. Author suggests here, after $75,000 a year, money has minimal effects on happiness. After $75,000 a year? 
So yeah, but to me, I'm like seventy five thousand dollars a year is almost more than double of what I've ever made in a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like to think that, like, oh yeah, well, once you get past this point, like, and that speaks to the point that we've made so many times. Like, this obviously was written by a person of a certain class for people of a certain class. I'm not saying that we we don't have the opportunity to get there. I could land a job that's like, oh yeah, boom. You know, like maybe if the circumstances are right and if I'm lucky enough, you know, maybe I could get a well-paying job. But it depends. But the thing is, is that like, if that's the perspective that you're coming from and you're going to write about this, like you're not talking to so many people, you know, like you, you're you just kind of come off as an asshole. <laughs> like, I think I think I think you're right, but I also would like to say, from my point of view, who's someone who's made above seventy five k a year? I promise you, <laughs> the more money I made, the happier I was. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it. Yeah, but I was because it. The thing with money is that it buys freedom it buys free time it buys time away from work i i think that's such a crucial thing that needs to be understood is it's not when poor people are like money would solve my problems you know rich people are like oh yeah but being materialistic it's like no i'm not talking about buying a beamer and then another beamer and then a series six beamer like I don't want that. That's not what I'm talking about. I want my power bill to be paid. Exactly. Like I want to make enough money to do that and to not stress about things. Or like when my cat is ill, I can take them to the vet and not worry about it. You know, like, or if I were to have children, the same situation. If I was just myself to get sick and and to go and be able to get that taken care of. And like, like you said, the more money you made, the the happy you were, because it's not like, oh, I'm buying it. I'm, I, we're never trying to say that like buying all this shit is what makes me happy because obviously we know that really rich people can probably be depressed too. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. But the thing is, is that when you, when you get to a certain level and you have that free time and you don't have those anxieties about how you're going to pay for this, how you're going to pay for that, not knowing what the next month is going to be like for you. Like when you don't have those anxieties, it makes it easier to to find that happiness, right? It makes it easier to at least find a baseline of happiness to where you're not anxious. Because I think that's the difference is like a lot of times what I think is like there's happiness and then there's like being dissatisfied and then there's also just being anxious because your future is so – on the edge of a knife and you can technically be happy in any of those situations. But like if you're not living on the edge of a life or on, on the edge of a knife, you can probably find those moments of happiness more often because you're not going to have as many moments of your anxiety. Right. And then you wouldn't have to train your mind to deal with those anxious moments because they wouldn't come up as much. That's exactly it. When I started making real money or real good money, I was able to like spend time alone and spend not alone, but away from work and be able to like 
search for my happiness and be able to find what I wanted to do, take days off when I wanted to take time off, right? And that's what money buys. If you have to go to work every single day, three jobs a day, how can you afford to take a day off to have a little bit of mental peace? Exactly. Well, and some people don't even get paid time off. Well, that that's exactly like, it. With my X amount of money job, I also got PTO. Exactly. Right? Some people and that and like some people don't have that. Not, yeah, not at all. And that's a huge thing too. Like that's something that that was so hard for me to understand because with my first job, when I I had to plan to take a trip, this is like okay, I have to save up enough money for the trip and to not be making money for a week or however long. And I still had that anxiety at my other job where I had paid time off. I had that anxiety where I was like, man, my paycheck's going to suck because like I took, I took a week off. But then I thought, Oh man, taking a week off when you got PTO for the first time, you're like, what is this? Yes. I was like, it's the same paycheck. Yeah. I was like, I got a paycheck. I was like, holy crap. I totally forgot. (laughs) You know, I was stressing about it and realized I didn't have to. And just that alone was just like, that made me so much less anxious about having time off of work. When I took a day off, I was like, I know it's not going to cut into my pay. Even though my pay is not enough as it is, even if I took a day off, I could, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to put a dent in the income that I do make. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed through a, a few of these because I think some of these are pretty obvious and probably superficial. So uh, one is give. Basically give it to charity. Again, if you can, do it. Sure. That was great. Uh, there's a whole question of ethics behind that, though, if you have to tell people about it. Savor the moment. Strive, which is basically work hard, which I think is weird. But the next one is be optimistic. And this one is crazy. And this is the one I was mentioning above about being fucking delusional. So it's be optimistic even to the border of delusion. Oh, it actually says that. It says this. Wow. And I think that's insane. Because, uh, I mean, if we're going to take this to the extreme, I don't even have cancer I'm cancer free. I'm gonna be delusional about this. That's how optimistic I am about it. I don't even need chemotherapy. Right? <laughs> well, it's like I'm sure that that works, but should we do it? You know what I mean? Like we can create a state of delusion for ourselves for sure. But there's also a point to where how far that goes is also going to could potentially in the future have a negative effect on. On your life in some sort of way. You could be like, yeah, I'm so optimistic. This is going to work. And then you jump off a cliff and everybody else has a parachute and you don't. Obviously, that's a metaphor for something else, right? But it's like – that's like another thing. It's like, oh, hang out with people that are more optimistic or are better off. Most of the time, those people are going to be financially better off and they're going to be doing things that I can't participate in. Yeah. Be optimistic so much so that I I have access to food. Whether that's McDonald's or Taco Bell, but I'm gonna be so delusional that I'm gonna say this food is good for me. <laughs> yeah. I live in a food desert. No, I don't. I don't live in a food desert. There's a Burger King right across the street. <laughs> Full course meal. All right. So the next one is fundamentals are fundamental. 
This is basically take a nap, eat a snack, get your sleep. Obviously very problematic. Who has time to take a nap? I just want to side note, I took a nap today. I do have time to take a nap. <laughs> I don't mean to brag about that, but it was great. Uh, but this is obviously problematic for people who work three jobs, work multiple jobs, own their own businesses, work during the day, work during the night. That's <laughs> not always possible, almost never possible. The next one is frequency beats intensity. And I said here, except being delusional about optimism. <laughs> you should be, which is a bit contradictory, you know, you should be incredibly intense about how freaking delusional you are so you can be optimistic. And it ends with this. Avoids life's common mistakes. I'm just going to read five mistakes. They mention... I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Two, I wish I didn't work so hard. Three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. Five, I wish I had let myself be happier. <laughs> Almost none of those things are expressed here in this article. These are basically telling you to work harder, right? Strive, strive more. I, I just here's the key to being happiness. Just, just let yourself be happy. That's it. it, it yeah, exactly. It's that easy. Uh, so, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to wrap up here on this this article, and it's from our, it's from my honestly favorite news, uh, money advice news site, grow.acorns.com. Um, and the big headline here is a Wharton study finds there's no $75,000 earning cap on happiness. More money means more happiness, no matter how much you make. Quote, in popular discussions, even among scientists, the plateau at 75K has become part of the lore of which we accept is true, unquote. The gist here is happiness increases are pegged to increases in wealth. Well past the 75K mark. And it is like, of course, let me live, live my fucking truth, man. Who hasn't been saying that? Who would have guessed that Jeff Bezos is happier than me? That dude is an economy in himself. <laughs> or any other billionaire. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, I don't care. Why do you think they hoard wealth like some sort of mythical dragon? <laughs> I mean, while it gives those who have it freedom of time and choice... They don't have to keep working. They choose to. Why us down here, not in the financial exosphere, exosphere, we have to keep going back to a job that we hate. And we have to read about Jeff Bezos building a homeless shelter for his employees. And we are expected to be grateful for that shit. As if the two things aren't connected. 
And we're supposed to be like, you know what? Until this study comes out, of course money doesn't. I mean, if you make $80,000 a year, I mean, it's no different than making a million and $256 billion. There's no difference. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah, yeah. It's literally just... Yeah, I just... It's so funny that... I, I think also what it is is like, okay, maybe if society was structured differently and we didn't have to make that much money to at least live a pretty basic normal life where we don't face a lot of stress factors, like then, then, then maybe the economic factor wouldn't play into happiness in our society as much. But when you're talking about a country that has so much class disparity, and I think that's something we've also talked about, and I don't know if we talked about it privately or not, but like if you're living in a third world country, everybody around you is living in the same economic situations. Everyone around you has the same expectations out of life, is told the same thing. They live a certain way. Like those people can be happier than people in the United States because in the United States, we are given an expectation and we are told this is the what this is what you have to do to get to this point. And then we've all grown up to find out that that is not true at all. And then now you're going to sit there and tell us, well, you, you're the one that fucked up. Like, you, you know, you focus too much on this. You focus too much on that. It's not about that stuff. Like this is the stuff that you told me I had to get to, to to reach those expectations that you implanted in my head as a young person. And and then when we grow up and we see the disparity between the classes, between people at the top and people on the bottom, it's like we know how good it can be. We know what it is, and I think that creates even more – inner turmoil inside of us to be able to see that some people have it and some people don't. It's a matter of relativity. Where, where are we relative to the, to our others, to our neighbors? That's what breeds, um, not inequality, but, uh, anxiety about inequality um yeah just like uh, the financial articles i think these articles are kind of bullshit they have like these slivers of truth in them and that kind of is what makes them popular because it's easy to point to and be like hey look if you're sad do this if you're broke do this it's kind of the same thing yeah and I don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy to promote to people because like there, there are people with mental health issues. There are people who are facing material conditions that can't be fixed by an article that says, Hey, if you're having a bad day, just do some yoga. Yeah. I mean, I, I just also want to say that it's, it, this isn't to speak against anyone that does lead a happy life, even if they have bad circumstances, you know, like that's, it's 
so awesome if people can do that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like the difference between my partner and I. And I think that, like we mentioned in the beginning, different people define happiness in their happiness in very different ways. And people find it in different ways, you know? And, and it, to, to, to slap like a, a universal band-aid on these issues is exactly what it is. Just slapping a band-aid on an issue. It's not letting it, it's not making it go away. And, and as much as we can not focus on this, I think that people can train themselves to not be sad, right? Like, I think that that's possible. But the fact that we have to do that because of so many conditions that we live in, you know what I mean? Like, we should be training ourselves to be happy, not because we're suffering, but because we want to find our true selves in life and we want to be truly happy and do the things that we love doing and be expressive and creative and compassionate. But it's, we're not doing it. We're, we're trying to find happiness to get out of the anxiety ridden society that we live in. So to me, there's just, that's the difference. And, and that's also part of the reason why I feel like I've never found what I find, you know, t- to be some sort of real happiness is because it's like, there is part of me that thinks that I'll never be happy until like I start seeing stuff structurally change and to know that like, Hey, or, or if I live somewhere that provides me with some basic health, healthcare, basic, you know, like basic universal basic income where it's like, you don't have to focus all the time on working. You can, you can be creative. You can be expressive. You can do all these things. It, yeah, it's it's such a hard topic to talk about, but I also really like talking about it because like I said, I've I've struggled with this for so long. I think I think it's important to say the reason I feel like it's a continuance from last episode is because these are like these these articles when you they bombard headlines. And when you see them and you're not feeling the, the best about your situation, you, you click into these things and they provide hope. And then you read them and you're like, this is trash, basically. This doesn't help me at all. And I think that's what makes me so irritated about these articles is that they're they can often be pointed to as like your sadness or your anxiety or your depression is solvable look at this article here's an example it's four easy quick things and they never are right there's these things never talk about the attachments or the prerequisites to get to this level of happiness, right? You have to not be concerned about money. You have to not be concerned about your health. You have to not be concerned about your income or your debt. And these articles never address any of that. Same with the financial articles. Those articles never address any of that. Look at, these, look at this money that I was given and then I paid off my debt. Look at, look at this... I, I, I paid off my debt from this from this from this windfall of cash I got. <laughs> now I'm happy. Yeah, no shit. Well, to speak to that too, I can 
from personal experience say that almost living in a state of delusion, when I stopped caring about the debt that I had, the money I owed, the amount of money I was not making to, to, to pay those debts off, right? For a, for a while, I stopped thinking about it. And yeah, I can say on a day-to-day basis, I wasn't stressed about it. You know, it took me a while to get it out of my head all the time. But as soon as I looked at those numbers, it all came back like a brick fucking wall. So it's like I can forget about it and, and, and ignore it and, and try to be happy with it. And it works, but it comes back. It, the problem, the core problem doesn't go away. The core problem's still there and it still will hit you, like I said, like a ton of fucking bricks, like a brick wall. It'll come out of fucking nowhere and and shove its face in you when you get a bill from collections and you go, shit, I didn't think this was going to collections yet. You know? Like, and then your problems suddenly become very real and right in your face again. I, I mean, that makes me think of the time when I had to rehab my, my hip and my back for work. I went out for three months and, and like at the, towards the end of that three months, I thought I was the happiest person. I was like, man, I'm, I feel great. Right. As soon as I went back to work, it felt like nothing had changed. It felt like I had been gone for a weekend. Mm -hmm. And all that shit comes spiraling back of like, ugh, I have to be here tomorrow. And, and it's just, it's just, it's just unfortunate that these things never speak to that material condition that like, Hey, sometimes it's going to suck. I mean, I would prefer these things, these articles to be like, Hey, it's going to suck a lot. You're not always going to be happy, but you should find happiness in the in the in the where you can. And I feel like that's a more honest article. But anyway, that's what I have to say about these articles. I think they're terrible. Like I said last week, please send them to me. I will read them. I will hate them. But I'll keep reading them. Keep yeah. Keep keep a little. I read them and I still get a little glimmer of hope. You know, like they still make me feel a little. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I can. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it, that's a little bit of delusion. You know, where, hey, be but, delusional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it works in the moment, and like I said before, I think that life is not cannot overall be happy or whatever. It's life is just moments like you said you can have three months off of work and think you're happy and one moment can can erase that and that's because every moment erases the previous moment that existed so the future and the past are not even real we should work for a better society that's what we need to do Um, (laughs) anyway uh, thank you guys for listening thank you to our patreon donors um Yeah, just thank you for listening and hope to see you next week. Yeah, check you later. Bye.